Doing good? I'm kind of messed up by that worship, man. That was, that was pretty awesome. Pretty awesome time with the Lord, isn't it? It's good stuff. So, amen. All right. How many people really desire to just go on up into heavenly places? This morning, all right, all right, good, good. You can put your hands down. I got a, I got a really key insight. This is very profound. Okay, are you ready? It's, it's two words. Here it goes. Be nice. Be nice. Punch your neighbor and say, "Be nice." Yeah, be nice. What a profound thing, isn't it? Because you know what the Bible says: "Do unto others like they do it to you." Right. Oh, that's not how it says it? I heard a, a guest on a radio show say that. You know, the Bible says, do unto others as they do it to you. I'm thinking, no, no, I don't think that's exactly how it says it. It says it, do unto others as you would have them do to you. How many people know that's a little bit different thing? You know what I'm saying? So, uh, I feel like actually the Lord, that's a prophetic word this morning, okay? Be nice. So, if you have a hard time understanding that, you just got issues. Uh, there's nothing we can do for you. But, uh, um, hey, Wednesday night, man, we just had such a profound time in the Lord. How many people were able to come Wednesday? It was like a sickness in the room and uh, such a wonderful time. Old Jackson was praying and prophesying over us, man. A little five-year-old here on the front row just praying fire. It was awesome. It was an awesome time. And, uh, and the Lord said to me, he said, can you see it? And I immediately said, yes, even though I didn't know what he was asking me to see. I was just like a rote response, yes, whenever he asked me a question. And I said, see what, Lord? He said, can you see the mist? Can you see the clouds you've been asking for? And I said, yeah, Lord, I can see it. You know, and I didn't see anything in, my, in the room, like physically manifested, but in, in the spirit realm, I could see and I could definitely feel, and I know you could as well, just this weighty glory, the presence of the Lord, the cloud of God just coming in the room. I see some people nodding your heads. You probably felt a similar thing. And the Lord said, you know what? And I was like, Lord, I want to be, I just want everything I can about your presence. I just want that. He said, you know what the biggest key is? I said, what? He said, right here in the Beatitudes. You know, Beatitudes stands for beautiful attitudes. Uh, I'm just kidding. I don't know if it means that or not, but it sounds good. It sounds right. Beautiful attitudes. Here they are. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. We've been through that. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called sons of God. And here's everybody's favorite one. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is what? Theirs is the heavenly realm. Theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Persecution comes with a price, but it comes with a great reward also. Amen? Um, you know, and as I was looking through this famous Sermon on the Mount, this is not my message this morning, it's just a commercial. I was thinking about, um, you know, here it is, Jesus lays out all this kind of code of conduct, and he says things like, you've heard that was said too long ago, do not murder, and anyone who murders will be subject to judgment, but I tell you, anyone who's angry with his brother will be subject to judgment. 
And everybody said, ouch. It's like, what? You know, all of a sudden, it's like, and the Lord was really stressing to me, you know, the way, this matters right here. This matters. If you want to know what the principles of the kingdom of heaven look like, study the Sermon on the Mount. Study the Beatitudes. It's all right there. Amen? So, uh, what I want to share with you this morning is really a, uh, an observation of sorts of what the Lord has been doing, what the Lord's doing, and where we're going further. Amen? And uh, that is one thing that I've noticed, and even in here this morning, is like as the body of Christ comes together and we enter into worship, the kind of worship that's like the Bible talks of worship in spirit and truth, it's like there is a prophetic release of the river that penetrates the atmosphere. How many people know what I'm talking about? There's like something that shifts. And it's good to understand that for you as an individual. You know, because sometimes we come in here after just fighting with our spouse. Or sometimes we come in here kind of having a bad week. And it's great to come in here and be refreshed, right? It's great to come in here and receive and get ministered to. But it's also great to know and be aware of and conscious of that when we come together as the body of Christ and release our worship, that there's a prophetic release in the atmosphere. But Becky was sharing this morning. Do you want to share what you were saying? I think that would be good if you just did it in your own words. Um, a couple of weeks ago, the Lord, as I was waking up, spoke to me the Apostles' Creed. And, um, and I really just looked over it. But one thing that was this morning I felt in the first service is a strong... I felt like the Lord said to me, there's a mighty anointing coming on the unity of the body which in the Apostle Creed, it says, I believe in the Holy Catholic Church, which really means the church universal. And so I'm really feeling, I've been feeling this coming in here for a while, that there's this unity coming in the body, that it's, and it's really going to go across denominational lines. It's going to go across styles of worship line. It's going to be this holy fervor for the Lord that's burning in hearts, where this real, that's what's going to bind us together. And, uh, and, I, and that's really what I'm feeling. And I felt like the Lord wants to bring that on us now, this anointing to be unified, because that is in our Father's declaration, that simplicity of our, our fathers of the faith that we believe in the church universal. So. Yeah. You guys, you guys remember the Valley of the Dry Bones in Ezekiel, right? Ezekiel, I think it's 37. The Valley of the Dry of Bones, in that passage, it represents what? It represents the house of Israel. And, the, the, and, and speaking prophetically to the house of those dry bones to rise up and breathe life. And as, as we're singing, breathe on us again. Breathe on us again. Breathe on us again. One of the keys of the prophetic voice is it releases the breath of God into our lives. It releases the breath of God into situations. And we'll see that in just a minute here. But there's an interesting story in the Old Testament that gives a picture of what can happen when people join together in the prophetic. Okay, and, the, and, and I'm going to submit to you in prophetic worship here. But turn with me to 1 Samuel chapter 19. Okay, 1 Samuel chapter 19. And in this passage, uh, the dreaded King Saul at this point is just sent out a posse to hunt down David. 
You know, and he's just a relentless pursuer of David, can't stand him, jealous of his warrior-like spirit, jealous of his accomplishments, and God has rejected Saul for his rebellion and anointed David as king, and then there's this process of this pursuit and David continually fleeing and getting away. And so we'll pick up in verse... Uh, let's, let's actually go to verse 19. I'm sorry, let me go up to 18. <laughs> so, when, so this is 1 Samuel 19, 18. When David had fled and made his escape, he went to Samuel at Ramah and told, told him all that Saul had done to him. Then he and Samuel went to Naoth and stayed there. Word came to Saul, David is in Naoth at Ramah. So he sent men to capture him. Now, I'm going to submit to you here, what I, the Bible doesn't explicitly say this, but I think that the evidence would show that what David and Samuel did when they went to this location is they began to go there and get before the Lord and to worship God. David was a minstrel. He was known as the, the man after God's own heart, and particularly in the area of songwriting and music. And it's like they got together and they gathered some prophets and they began to worship the Lord. Okay, and then let me just paint the picture a little different here. What happens is, how many people like Westerns? Any cowboy Western fan? Okay, actually quite a few people. Yeah, you remember when the sheriff in town gets the posse together and sends out the posse? You know what I'm talking about, Chris? So it's like Saul decides, all right, Saul represents the sheriff. He's sending out the posse to get the bad guy, get the fugitive, the outlaw, David. And so he gets his posse together, and the first one, they go and they actually find him. They catch up with him in this little uh, Ramah or wherever they're at. And here's what happens. Let's pick it up here. So he sent men to capture him, verse 20. But when they saw a group of prophets prophesying with Samuel standing there as their leader, the Spirit of God came upon Saul's men, and they also prophesied. So here the posse shows up, gets whacked by the glory realm of God through the prophetic worship that's being released, and they can't even bring their man in. They end up joining in on the prophesying. It gets better. Then in verse 21, Saul was told about it, and he sent more men, and they got whacked too. Or they prophesied too. And then a third time, a third posse is sent out to bring in the outlaw, David, and what happens to him? They too come into this location on the planet where the glory realm of God has been released on the earth. How I'm submitting to you through this prophetic worship. All are prophesying, all joining together in unity as one voice and one body, and there's power released. Even to where their enemies cannot touch them. Finally, Saul's like, these idiots. You know, you can see him just sitting there pulling his hair out. I can't believe I send three posses out. You guys are armed to the max, and you can't even bring the guy in. Come on, how hard can it be? So he himself goes out there. Finally, verse 22, he himself left for Ramah and went to the great cistern at Sekhu, and he asked, where are Samuel and David? Over in Naoth at Ramah, they said. So Saul went to Naoth at Ramah, but the Spirit of God came even upon him, and he walked along prophesying until he came to Naoth. Then he got naked and also prophesied in Samuel's presence. 
That must have been embarrassing. And he lay that way all day and all night. I mean, people think we're crazy in this church. We ain't stripping our clothes off. You know? I mean, not yet anyway. Just kidding. <laughs> Woo! Help us, God. Oh, man. I, I could say something. I'm not going to do that. Byron, he always gets himself in trouble with these last... Don't go that way. Woo! This is why people say, is Saul also among the prophets? It's like he was prophesying in this glory realm so much, they even thought, what's going on? Now, it's interesting to note, did Saul change his ways after this encounter? No, he didn't change his ways, did he? He came into an experience with God, but he left the experience and continued to harden his heart. Hear this, even, you know, especially those who are younger, an encounter and experiences with God alone won't keep you. Did you know that? Don't get me wrong. I love encounters with God. I can't live without Him. I pursue Him every day. But that and that alone won't keep you. Only He will keep you. That intimacy with Him, only He will keep you. And He'll bring you into one encounter after the other. Isn't it wonderful? So don't get tripped up on the emotion bug, on the experience-driven thing. It's all good, but it's not all that there is. Now, this is interesting because I'm going to call this... This prophetic river that the posses and Saul fall into um, is also mentioned by Paul in the New Testament in 1 Corinthians, but he just says this, he makes this statement, but if all prophesy, speaking of the corporate church, let's look, flip over to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. 1 Corinthians 14. You guys all right? All right, all right. This is going to be brief but amazing. Come on. Got one amen there. 1 Corinthians 14, 24. If an unbeliever or someone who does not understand comes into the church, you think anybody has ever walked in here that didn't understand? Maybe that's you this morning. (laughs) You don't have to raise your hand. I don't understand. Comes in while everybody is prophesying. What does that mean, everybody is prophesying? Because just before this, Paul's kind of correcting them. Like this is pandemonium. Come on, guys, you're speaking in tongues. You've got all these prophetic words. All this is going on. Okay, I'm just going to submit to you this morning that part of what he could be alluding to here, I think he's alluding to, is a prophetic worship. As all of you guys are prophesying. How many people know that a stringed instrument like a guitar can prophesy? See, David learned to prophesy on a string way before he ever prophesied under the anointing of the Spirit of God. These stringed instruments, they prophesy. A drum can prophesy. Well, I thought prophesying was like hearing a word from the Lord and then conveying that to another person. Well, that is part of prophesying. But this type of prophecy is releasing the heavenly realm into the physical atmosphere, into the spiritual atmosphere in your environment that changes things. How many people are with me on that? All right, now, 
Chris and Amy and Jonathan and Melissa Helser and some of these guys back here are involved in a 60-day school that are teaching and equipping young people on how to do that, especially through things like music and art and writing and photography and the such. Who would have even imagined 20 years ago that that's possible? That you can prophesy by taking a, with a photograph or you can prophesy by sculpting something or by writing something, you know? It's an amazing... So anyway, let me go on here. So uh, if everybody's prophesying, what's going to happen? He will be convinced by all that he's a sinner and he'll be judged by all and the secrets of his heart will be laid bare. So he will fall down and worship God, exclaiming, God is really among you. Or surely God is in this place. How many people dream of that day? See, I believe that there is a layer of glory coming. And Byron wrote about the layers of glory and not, not discounting the lesser layers, but growing with those and learning how to operate in those. And then the continual layer upon, or from glory to glory, as 2 Corinthians talks about, but in, I'm dreaming of the day of where this manifest glory, like I saw this thing on, on Wednesday night, and I believe there will be a day when people, even unbelievers or people who don't understand, can walk through the doors of this church and other churches, hopefully all kinds of churches, even in Mooresville, and say, wow, why is there fog in that church? Walk in there, fall on their face, and their sins are laid bare and worship before the Lord. Many of them will make a decision because free will is a real part of the kingdom. Like Saul, some of them will get up and walk out and still harden their heart and not repent. But the testimony out there in the marketplace on the streets will be, surely God is in that place. I may have not surrendered or I may, but i tell you one thing, you go there, crazy things happen. The Lord is in that place. Like, you remember at Azusa Street, those stories I read to you? Arms growing out right before their eyes. I mean, all kinds of amazing miracles and healings, which are just signs which point to the King's rulership. Amen? To His authority in a place. All things are possible in the supernatural glory realms of heaven. Amen? Which, by the way, let me say this. If you're not doing so, I'm just encouraging you, Take some time to spend time in the glory of God every day. Get before the Lord. One of my favorite things to do is put on prophetic moments in worship at riverlifefellowship.com. And like you can go back to last Wednesday night's meeting and just lie down and I put my headphones on and, and just soak and let the... Because if, especially if you've been there, it kind of just takes you right back. To where you were, you're like, oh man, this is awesome, you know. But even if you, have, you weren't able to be there, it's just a tremendous tool, really. Just some fresh soaking music and uh, right there on our website. And we're going to get some of that stuff burned onto CDs to make available to you also. But spend time in the presence of God because you know it changes. Byron spoke of that in terms of gaining wisdom last week. Wasn't that a tremendous message? Just a powerful thing. God really is among you. Breathe on us, Lord. Hmm. So, here's how this works. When God breathes on us, it's like He's prophesying. 
in the sense of shifting our natural atmosphere, our natural man, into a heavenly man, into a spiritual mindset, into a spiritual man. Seeing things in heavenly perspectives. You know what I'm saying? And let me show you a place where I believe that's real clear here in Scripture. And turn over to John chapter 20, and I'm almost finished. John chapter 20. Don't say amen. And Jesus said, all right, all right, this is after the resurrection, right? Before the day of Pentecost, so somewhere in between there, how many days was that between the resurrection and Pentecost? 50 days? All right, so somewhere in that 50-day time period, 47. Gosh, Dean, get it straight. <laughs> Andy, just slap him. <laughs> Again, again, Jesus said, peace be with you guys. Shalom, wholeness to you guys. Come on, get with it. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, He breathed on them and said what? Receive the Holy Spirit. Now this has always kind of confused me because the Holy Spirit didn't really come upon them, at least to the big extent at that moment. So what's going on here? Because when was the outpouring of the Holy Spirit? A few days later, 27 days later, whatever it was, uh, later at, on the day of Pentecost, then the great outpouring and the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So what is he saying here? I think the breath of God, he's prophesying to them. It's almost like, get ready, you're going to receive the Holy Spirit. In the meantime, tarry in Jerusalem until the Holy Spirit comes and power falls. Now, I've heard several people testify who have had heavenly experiences, one of those being Anna Roundtree in her book. She talks about that the angels of heaven, instead of giving applause to people, that they breathe on one another. That they breathe, and it's, it symbolizes the breath of God. Jesus whoosh, breathes on them. Get ready, guys. The Holy Spirit is about to fall. You're getting ready to be baptized in the Holy Ghost and fire, like John talked about. So don't be afraid. Shalom unto you. Wholeness unto you. I breathe on you the Holy Spirit. What happened in Genesis? Pam, put up that Genesis 1 Scripture there. You remember, even at creation, God created the man, right? But was He alive yet? No. So what did He do? He prophesied into Him. He breathed into Him. He breathed into the, His nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. Okay, without going there, because I'm going to finish, but without going there, what happens in the valley of the dry bones in Ezekiel 36? He breathes. Breathes life. But it also equates it with prophesying. Prophesy to these bones and they will become living flesh. And I believe what the Lord wants us to see in that and why I had Becky share that is because the Holy Catholic Church, the universal church, is the Lord is through our worship, through our corporate worship. Okay, we're breathing, we're breathing life into the body. 
We're prophesying to the body, rise up the body of Christ, rise up in the earth, rise up this generation, be who God's made you to be, be who God's called you to be. We breathe on you, we worship you, Lord, we worship, we worship, and through our worship, the prophetic utterance, the breath of God breathes life into the church. Now, I'm really excited, we're going to have our first um, worship conference here on August the 21st, okay, and a guy named Bob Sword is going to be here from Kansas City, and this guy has some incredible revelation on worship and exactly what I'm talking about, it's 1 Corinthians 14, but here's, I'm going to, this is a, another commercial, um, Andy was saying to me, he goes, I want to see the Lord release the roar more and more, I want to get back and release in the roar, in other words, what he's saying is, in the context of what I'm saying is, I want to prophesy. I want the church to continue to learn how to prophesy and breathe life into the atmosphere, into the church of America. And so this weekend is going to be a Friday, Saturday night, and Sunday morning. It'll be an opportunity for us to all come together and hear some incredible teaching, but just in worship with our worship team, just come before the Lord and continue to breathe and to prophesy on our instruments and with our voices and with our shouts and with our, our hand claps and all these things. Amen? So this is what the Lord is doing. And it just so amazes me that God would use human flesh like me. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like you, because I'm not really anybody. Um, to move in such a powerful way. And it also encourages me in my own personal worship time that I can get before the Lord and I can be built up on in the inner man, but I can also release, release the breath of God that flows through me and out of me into the world. Amen? Um, I just wanted to share something that just goes a little bit further on this is that um, the Lord's just been doing something in me recently and I even told my mom a couple of days ago, I said, Mom, you know, I almost I have this stirring going on inside of me and this hunger and this thirst for hearing the goodness of the Lord and what the Lord's doing around us, in us, in each other, hearing each other talk to us talk to each other about what the Lord is sharing, the Word. And I said, I almost feel like I could, it's such a hunger and a deep thirst that I could almost be on the edge of being annoying. <laughs> because I just feel this thing like drawing me, that's just wanting to hear what the Lord is doing. You know, like, almost like, okay, that's great, but what's God speaking to you? You know what I mean? Like, but you get to people and they'll say, um, I need to take a nap. <laughs> like, that's what God's speaking at me today. That was my mom. I said, so mom, what's God speaking to you? She goes, um, a nap would be real good, you know. And I said, well, that's good. But I think, too, what the Lord's wanting to say to us is that he's wanting us to get with the Lord and get alone with the Lord so he can really breathe on the word and we can breathe and prophesy to one another. And But also, just so we need to realize that there's going to be little things the Lord's going to be doing in us, and we don't need to place, you know, oh, that's no big deal. You know what I mean? You may have something bigger, you know. 
that we need to celebrate the little things God is doing in us, however it may be. Be thankful, celebrate it, and release it. Because there's going to be life that's going to come forth. And there's really, a, this is a time that the, you can ask the Lord, Lord, give me more hunger, give me more thirst for the things of you. Because in that, there's going to be hunger and a thirst for righteousness that's going to come. And the things of the world are going to absolutely just be like yuck to you. They're going to, He is the only thing that satisfies the deepest things in us. And when we really say, Lord, just release that to me, then there's this hunger and this thirst for the things of the Lord. And when you get around us, it really feels like, oh my gosh, I've just totally been uptified. <laughs> and I'm needing this washed off of me so that the life of God can be released through me. You know, and so I'm saying, talk to me about what the Lord's telling you, whatever it is. Let's be thankful for the sunshine. Whatever it is, let the goodness of the Lord be on my lips. Let the goodness of God be on my lips. Let us breathe life. That's a practical thing. We can come together. We can worship. We can prophesy into the atmosphere. But also, we don't have to wait till these times of coming together like this. We can do it day to day to each other. We can just encourage one another. You don't have to make somebody talk about what, you know. But you can go ahead and release that which the Lord's given to you, that goodness of God being released in and through you. So this is a good teaching opportunity. Um, in terms of the body of Christ coming together and worshiping, this is one of our core values in this church is that worship is not, the ministry of worship is not owned by the worship team, but it's, it's, it's owned by the church. And, and to just, just to teach this real quick, when Paul is rebuking the Corinthians in chapter 14 about prophesying, what was happening was too many people were getting up here giving words and it was just too much for the, for the people. But when he goes on in the passage that Matthew's talking about when he's saying that you all may prophesy, okay, it really is a holy roar. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's like the sound of many waters that John heard in, in Revelations, okay? Like the sound of many waters. And, and to use the guitar analogy... I cannot just use one string on my guitar and have that thing do what it was supposed to do. I have to play all six strings on my guitar for it to have its fullness. Okay, likewise with the piano, it has 88 keys. All 88 keys are available to give us all the colorings of the sounds of that instrument. The sound that God is releasing is not coming out of instruments, but it's coming out of the church. Not just musical people, not just artists, but truck drivers, housewives, salespeople, computer programmers. Every single one of us has the part to play in that prophetic releasing so that when we come into the church, we're not relying on the worship team to worship for us, but we are the worship team. You know? So, do you want to move into communion? or? Okay. So, you got an opportunity now. Let's have an encounter with the Lord, too, in, in communion. Okay? This isn't just a sacrament, but this is a spiritual interaction. That, think about it. I mean, I have an opportunity to ingest into my body, physically and spiritually, the body and blood of Christ. To symbolize becoming one with Christ. That that 
that my old man has died with Christ. I've been raised anew. Amen? So I just want to uh, just encourage you this morning. As you come to partake of communion, let the Lord just do what He wants to do in you. Just open your heart. If He brings conviction of sin to you, repent quickly. Yeah. Amen? If he, if, he speak, if, he, if he wants to open the Word to you, let Him open the Word to you. But let the Lord interact with you this morning as you and your family partake in communion. Amen? So I want to invite you to do that. And I want to ask some ministry team folks to come up here. If you need healing this morning, if you need to meet Christ for the first time, that's what we're here for, or prayer for any other matter. We'll stand here and we'll pray with you and believe God with you and see the Lord do mighty things. And uh, I just invite you also, just continue to worship and you know, prophesy or whatever the Lord would leave you to, lead you to do. So, Amen. You can uh, feel free to come on up. and We've got tables on either side. You can just file down these side aisles here.